thank you for joining me and a special welcome if you have just found us. I'm Darren Harper and this is the Jazz Matters podcast. We're now up to episode 35. Thank you for all the wonderful comments and feedback on our last episode, which featured the incredible Curtis Steigers. We saw a record-breaking number of you checking that episode out in the first week after its release, and I really am so grateful to Curtis for taking part. If you missed it, then don't panic. You can still find it wherever you usually find your podcasts or at jazzmatters.net. Just some housekeeping to take care of quickly before we start out this time. Don't forget that you can sign up to the Jazz Matters mailing list and support the running of the podcast if you're able to on the website at jazzmatters.net. Also, don't forget that you can catch me hosting the London Jazz Review every Saturday on Jazz Bites Radio. It's 5pm in the UK, 12pm Eastern Time in the US. And forgive me as I leave everybody else to do their own relevant time different maths. In the show, I would normally take a look at the week ahead on the London jazz scene, but even now, I'm still going strong looking at some of the shows that we should have been enjoying and giving updates of rescheduled shows where I can. And now more than ever, I'm sharing loads and loads of great new music coming out of London and from slightly further afield across the UK. And you can be part of that show if you have new music to shout about. Just get in touch by emailing hello at jazzmatters.net or find me across social media by searching for Jazz Matters and looking for the blue logo. Well, this time out, we will be learning more about another fantastic artist from the other side of the Atlantic, the brilliant Jen Kearney. Now, I first came to know about Jen through her association with the fabulous percussionist Snowboy. I'm lucky enough to live in the same part of the world as Snowboy and have had the chance to get to know him and work with him over the last couple of years. He is a huge admirer of Jen and her work, and as a result, I have come to consider myself one too and was fortunate enough to catch her live back in 2019. Well, we'll be learning much more about Jen right after one of my personal favourite tracks of hers. It's from her 2014 album, Age of Blame, and it's called Better. Robot. 
Jane Kearney was born in Boston, Massachusetts, and was immediately surrounded by music. Several members of her family were musical and played instruments, mainly by ear. Her grandfather played violin, and her mother sang in a band. Her uncle Sal played piano, guitar, and clarinet, and her own introduction to the piano came through the one owned by her grandparents. Uncle Sal has always maintained that Jen started her own musical journey very early indeed. My uncle swears that I was three years old when I started to just get really interested in the piano and he would show me different things. And I mean, the first song I remember learning is Kansas City by Fats Domino. So there you go. (laughs) That's how it started. And then, you know, as a kid, we'd listen to a lot of music in the house. And there was this funny store around us called Building 19, which is like this store that gathers stuff from fire sales. And um, it's kind of a discount store. And uh, they would sell records for like a quarter, you know, 45s for a quarter, maybe a full album for a dollar. So we just buy tons of of records that way. And um, I think I remember the first record having, I had uh, the 
the 45 of taking it to the streets by the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> so, and I definitely wore it out. No question. As Jen grew up, she experienced the golden days of MTV and was influenced by the music of the greats such as Prince and Michael Jackson, as well as a lot of rock music from bands like Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd. And I think it's fair to say that this wide range of really powerful music early in her life has all had an impact to some degree on the artist that Jen became as her own life as a professional musician started. heard Derek Trucks say something once I don't I don't want to paraphrase too much but I think he said something about be careful what you listen to because everything gets in something like that and I think that's true uh, getting into my professional career I, I I've just really I've always had a huge diverse amount of music around me and taste in music and you know my uncle listened to classical stuff and jazz when I was a kid so I, I was exposed to a fair amount of that um, especially Keith Jarrett was his favorite. Nowadays, you know, we have Spotify and all these digital platforms, which I know it's horrible for trying to make money as a musician, <laughs> and uh, we all rail against it. But I, I have to admit that I definitely do use it to find new stuff, and I I love that there is a an openness to everyone having their music heard, if if you know if you can find it. That is so. I, I agree with Derek Trucks. I really think everything kind of gets in, so you have to be careful. Jen is a sensational performer with live shows that lift and shake the room with pure energy. But she is also a fabulous songwriter. Her lyrics in particular tend to cover a wide range of subjects, but you never get the impression that Jen is writing for the sake of it. With everything she writes, you always seem to feel like you're learning something about her. There seems to be something deeply personal in all that she does. So what is the process behind this? How does Jen go about her songwriting? And how does she manage to project so much of her in her work? A long time ago, I read a book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, and she suggests doing three pages of longhand journaling every day, which I've pretty religiously done, and I've found that um, a lot of lyrics come that way. So it's debatable whether the lyrics come first, but um, I, I'm constantly writing lyrics and or, or writing you know, a bunch of dribbly stuff that ends up having a lyric or two in them. <laughs> um, and then usually when I'm practicing technique on the piano or the guitar or whatever else, if I kind of zone out a bit, I'll, I'll usually come up with some sort of repetitive riff or chord progression that I really love or bass line. And, and it, you know, it usually ends up going from there. And then it's, then it's just a huge puzzle putting together 
the lyrics and the music and only a few times I have to admit you know there's been real flashes of a song coming in 20 minutes you know but most of the time it's it's a hammer and chisel um, <laughs> so the ideas and inspirations I mean uh, yeah that's just living life you know and everything I I kind of don't restrict what I write about and um, like I said I, I try to let the subconscious do a lot of it and I try to sort of wrangle that subconscious <laughs> into something <laughs> that resembles music. Despite being American-born and bred, in the last few years, Jen has spent a lot of time in the UK, performing in and around London, and has developed a deep-rooted affinity for the place. There's something about being on this side of the Atlantic that really makes her feel welcome and relaxed. But does that vast body of water between us change music or how music is received? What has been Jen's experience of playing regularly on both sides of the Atlantic? We differ culturally, so... I guess there's differences, but I mean, it's going to sound hippy-dippy to say, but music really does bring people together. So I think, um, I think, you know, we're more similar than, than we are different when it comes to audiences being there to, to be present for a musical experience. And um, so I think people all over the world appreciate music sort of the same way. It's definitely... In my experience, it does seem to be a very universal language. Um, I mean, London is just really cool. I I don't know what it is about being in the UK, but something I find something about it very relaxing in my bones. <laughs> um, I love the spirit of the you know people that appreciate live music over there. There's just some there's just a, a really great vibe of people enjoying music. Um, and not taking it for granted, I think, in London. That's that's definitely true. And not that, you know, I don't think it gets taken for granted in America, but uh, it's a hard one for me to answer as far as audiences, too, because I was pretty spoiled when I got to the UK being able to play some really great clubs, um, you know, via the connection with Snowboy and, and being on tour. So it's not like I had to start you know, in the pubs and everything like I did in Boston. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes those audiences could be tough when you're, you're, you're playing your deep, you know, original music and someone's trying to eat, like, steak frites and is mad at you that you're even existing. So <laughs> I really love playing live and I don't really care where I am, but man, London is a lot of fun. Jen's foundations in the UK jazz scene were firmly laid with the assistance of the international percussionist, band leader, DJ, promoter and all-round inspirational guy, Snowboy. 
It was through my own friendship with Snowboy and my love of his work that I first came to hear of Jen as she performed on his album New York Afternoon and toured with his band. But how did a musician from a sleepy town in England come to play such a huge part in the life and career of this Bostonian? Snowboy, oh man, one of my favorite humans on the earth. He um, he found my music on a site called CD Baby, and at the time he was working at the Craig Charles Funk and Soul Show, which I think is on BBC Six, and uh, he found a song of mine called Warm Bath Eyes, and he really loved it, and he just emailed me, and CD Baby came along, it was kind of the first online um store that you could buy CDs from. So it was it was this interesting thing that you could get your music out to this wider audience and um and I get this email from this guy in England <laughs> and uh you know freaking out like can you send me everything that you have? So I did and that was 2006 and we've corresponded ever since just um you know every time I've released something he's I've sent it to him and you know he's been so supportive and amazing and um in his last album new york afternoon he asked me if he could cover two of my songs i was floored and honored and said absolutely yes and then he asked me to sing them so i did um and sent the files over and um you know uh in 2017 i came over to tour so it's been amazing working with him i really feel a huge just a kinship and I did right away and um especially getting to meet him finally after 11 years of correspondence um going on that tour was just a it was really magical and he's just got such an amazing um spirit and his whole band is absolutely incredible I mean crushing crushing musicians and so yeah I I really am grateful that he came across my stuff on CD Baby and thanks to CD Baby too Jen's most recent album, Age of Blame, was released in 2014. Again, it's a seemingly deeply personal recording covering a myriad of topics. So for Jen, where did this album come from? What is the story behind it? And what message was she trying to get over to the listener? The inspiration behind the tracks of that album were really a snapshot of the times, I think. And, and you know, all my albums are kind of like that. But um, I think I was just feeling like the album came out in 2014 and, and preceding years to that. It was, I mean, I guess things were getting a little bit more uh, internet heavy and, you know, social media heavy. And I just feel like even though we're all connected online so much, there's a removal of a certain you know, soul to how we correspond now and, and, um, you know, with texting and emailing. I mean, it's great that we're connected, but it's also, you know, human contact is kind of receded. And so some of the songs were about that kind of 
feeling. And some of them are political, some of them are love songs, you know, so I guess um, I guess what I wanted the listener to take away is, and I always want uh, someone to be able to take away picturing something for themselves or connecting with something that they've been through and, um, you know, being able to identify with the lyrics or the music or both. Um, that's really always my primary goal when I'm, when I'm releasing something is just kind of hoping that the, the babies that I created, <laughs> uh, on the tracks are really, are, are connecting with people. Like almost everyone in the world right now, so far 2020 hasn't quite gone the way Jen planned. Recording plans throughout the spring have been cancelled, which potentially throws doubt over the intended autumn release of the new material and associated tour, including dates both in America and the UK. But like most musicians, Jen is not beaten and is using her time in the best way she can, keeping creative and using technology to work with others and keep in touch with her audience. So how is Jen adapting her plans to the situation? And what is she looking forward to the most in the coming months? I definitely am just trying to remain creative and uh, use the tools I have at home, which, you know, lucky for me, I have Logic at home. Um, so I'm able to multi-track stuff and I, I can send files to uh, all the great musicians I work with. And I think we're going to try to do some remote, you know, stuff, at least demos. And if if they're better than demos, maybe that will be the album, you know, all recorded separately. I don't know. Um, but I definitely... I'm, I'm really looking forward to playing live. I really miss playing live. And, um, you know, I think uh, that's just... But right now, you know, safety is paramount. And, and I think um, we'll get back to it. And, and I am excited for those days to come.
Waiting for it, also taken from the 2014 album Age of Blame by the fabulous Jen Kearney. And you can expect some new recorded material from Jen in the coming months, especially some singles. And you can also catch her live streamed shows on social media that tend to go out every couple of weeks. The best way to stay up to date is to find your way to her website, jenkearney.com, but I will put all of the links to her website and her social media accounts in the podcast show notes for those of you listening on a podcast platform. And whilst you're there, I would ask you to please rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. Five-star reviews are obviously preferred, but I'll take whatever you think is fair. It really does help us reach more people and allows me to keep telling these wonderful stories. Don't forget to join me this and every Saturday on Jazz Bites Radio and do get in touch if you have any new music you would like me to feature on the show. Hello at jazzmatters.net once again is the email address you need. My thanks to Jen for giving up her time to be a part of the podcast and rest assured I'll be back in a couple of weeks time with another exciting guest and some more great music.